Welcome to Wildly Wealthy Life, the show that's all about exploring the different paths to a life of freedom and fulfillment and how that ripples through your personal life, family life, and to the community. Join husband and wife power couple Lee and Kat Hughes as they share people's stories from different backgrounds and lifestyles about what it means to live a life well lived. Tune in and take that first step to becoming the best version of yourself, personally and professionally, here on Wildly Wealthy Life. It's just that kind of stuff. I think when you follow through with what you said you were going to do and you communicate through the whole process, I think that's key and you will build some serious good relationships over that. And hello again, and welcome to Wildly Wealthy Life Podcast. I am Lee, your host, and my lovely wife and co-host, Kat, is right next to my side. Kat, who do we have on today? Today we have a dear friend of mine. His name is Brian Long. I met Brian, I would say, probably eight, nine years ago now. We were doing a Christmas show together in Houston, Texas. This guy, he is a musician, he's an actor, he raps, he dances, super multi-talented, a father of four, right? Four kids? Yes. It's so funny. I met, I met your kids. Yes. Father of four, an awesome husband. Probably the best thing about him, I would say right now, is just the testament to his integrity. He started real estate investing two years ago. In two years, he's got 12 properties. And a lot of it is through private funding. And it's just awesome to see that people approach this guy left and right asking to invest with him. And that to me is a testament to just his integrity and his work. And also fun fact about him, he won $25,000 on a Home Depot rap battle, or not rap battle, producing his own video, doing a rap a rap song. And so, Ryan, you're, you'd have to share us that link because you said that and we want to see it now. So, <laughs> let us bring him on. Brian, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, we're. Uh, and yeah. I will rap battle with anybody. I can freestyle. So, let's go. Ooh, wow. Ooh. That would not be me or Lee because we don't know how to rap battle. I wish we could. Wow. That would have been a really awesome <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, Brian. So, I mean, I said a little bit about you. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Sure. I'm from Oklahoma originally, Oklahoma City, born and raised, moved to Atlanta for two years back in the late 90s. Met my wife there, worked at a church for two years, been in ministry full time for over 20 years, mostly with uh, youth ministry, student ministry, um, music, production. And now I'm a creative director. But after Atlanta, we moved to, to Houston for 17 years. I served on staff there at a church and then moved back here to Oklahoma again about four years ago. And I'm, I'm my family's still here, brother and sister, parents and all that. So it's just been incredible to reconnect with everybody. Uh, but I'm currently a, a creative director. So I run a video department and do a lot of special stories that we show through the church and the community just about life change. And then just recently, as you said, two years ago, I started investing in real estate and just dove in and have just saturated myself with as much information and knowledge and relationships that I, that I can. So that's kind of, kind of where I am right now. So. And you're also um, not only doing the real estate investing, you're also doing a lot of the rehab work. Yes, correct. I was, I've been at a house. I mean, in, the, in these crazy times right now, I have been able to go over to... I'm rehabbing two houses right now. 
Uh, we just almost wrapped on one yesterday, but I was able to go over there every day and keep my distance from some of the workers there. But uh, I put up, I think, 17 sets of blinds, 18 sets of blinds. We put a new door in, new cabinets, new uh, you know countertops. So yes, I do as much as I can. And I stay away from the things that I know I'm not very good at. So focus on my strengths. So yeah, where and where did you start developing those skill sets? You know, I, my dad was a home builder, and uh, his father was. My brother is a carpenter. I think it was just always kind of in us. I love do-it-yourself projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle back in Houston was was great at just stepping in and showing me some things. And just man, you can learn a lot on YouTube. So mm-hmm. I was like. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out myself. And as you know, as homeowners, stuff just falls apart all the time. So you're always fixing things. It's kind of a money pit. So I try to save money as much as I can, but that's, I don't know. I just, I love it. I love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. How did you get started with your interest on real estate and what made you think that, oh, this is a good thing to get my hands into? Sure. It was, so it was about two years ago, my father-in-law just kind of mentioned, we had finished rehabbing the house that we're in. We did a lot of it ourselves. My wife and I redid the floors ourselves. And I I put all the baseboards and cut them and all the stuff around our house. And we've done a lot of that kind of thing with about three of our houses. We did really well in our house in Houston that we rehabbed ourselves and then sold. But my father-in-law just encouraged us, said, you should think about doing something like this. You're pretty good at it. And he said, if you ever want to get going, you know, I'll help you uh, get your first couple houses. And about the same time, I met a guy in our neighborhood named uh, Stephen Van Kellenberg, who is the savvy landlord who's got his whole thing going. And uh, we got to be friends about the same time. And I found out that that's what he did. And he had 200 plus properties and a podcast and books and all that. And I was just like, what is all this? Like, this is crazy. I didn't know this world existed really. And so I just dove in and something just clicked in my heart, my head a lot of encouragement from my family, my wife, and we just took off. That's kind of how it started. So, Wow. And so can you walk us through just like your first property and how did you scale it to where you are now with 12 properties in, in two years? I mean, that's just crazy to me. Sure. Yeah. So that was, that was a deal where, you know, again, I didn't know what I was doing. And I sat on some private money for about six months I mean, I had an incredible opportunity to get going, but I, I took, I bet I took 10 guys to lunch and asked them a hundred questions. I read every book I could read. I listened to every podcast I could read, started going to auction in Oklahoma city, which is, we call it the sheriff cell auction. And after about six months of, of going to that and learning as much as I could, I pulled the trigger. I was at uh, Oklahoma city auction and uh, I had researched all these properties and I bought two houses, not just one the first time. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I, I, I bought two and I was like, oh what gosh, what have I done? And so anyway, that's really how I got going. And, and I could go into further detail about that. But yeah, I just, I pulled the trigger after about six months of learning and had private money and, and got going with that. Purchased my first two. So. What was it about those two properties? But, and, and I guess that auction that made you pull the trigger, was there a certain trigger for you? Or was it just like, it's time I got to go? Yeah. So I, I just kept hearing and reading and listening to all these people say, you just got to do it. Like you might, you're, and it's true. The first one that you buy is an education. And that is so true because the first one I bought, oh man, it's, I've lost sleep over it, but it had uh, squatters in it. 
when I went over there, the doors were kicked in. There was two pit bulls that had been living inside by themselves for months. It was just one of those like nightmare that you see on all the oh, HGTV shows and all that. And I was like, well, I guess it's, it smells like money is what they say. And, and sure enough, it did. But so I guess to answer your question, Lee, I, I don't know if there was anything special about these two other than I had run the numbers and I said, this is as high as I'm going to go on the bidding part. And I was able to stay within those numbers and, and it just worked that way. And they also were in a good location. They're both about 15 minutes from my house. Uh-huh. And I like the area. It's a blue collar area where there's a lot of military family, uh, Tinker Air Force Base. So I knew that, you know, great shopping, all that. So there's, there's a lot of factors that go into deciding where I'm going to buy. So Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that it's not like you just jumped into the thing. You know, you actually take the time to educate yourself. So right. our listeners out there who are thinking about doing real estate, definitely there's the education part that we have to do. We can't just think that, hey, we're just going to do this. You know, a lot of us, maybe some of us are fearless and we're just going to go for it. But we have to balance those two things out. And then did your time where you educated yourself. And at some point you do have to do it. You, if, right. if you just keep educating yourself and you never do it. You actually will never learn because everything is just in your head and it never becomes applicable into real life situation. And I love that you said how, you know, yes, you bought two properties and then one of them is just a nightmare. I mean, if you start like that and you are still, and you know, we know now that, you know, you you have 12 properties now, you started with the crazy one and now you have 12 properties. You know that you can pretty much handle anything at this point, you know, so that's amazing. So then now, can you talk us through that from the first property and again, like just how you scale sure. it to where you are? Absolutely. So through that process, I mean, I've still continued to learn quite a bit, but there, there's so many ways of purchasing property. I mean, I talk to friends all the time that are very successful in their own field. I mean, doctors, I, had a, I have people approach me all the time about how do you do this? And there's just so many ways to creative finance property. I think a, a, a lot of the, the mindset is I have to have 20% down and I have to go to the bank and that's how I'm going to do it. You know, it's going to take six months or all that whole thing. But what I did with those two properties, is I took them to a bank, a local bank. I found a, a good local bank that likes investors and understands real estate and all that. So I took it to them. You know, they had to put all my financials together and then they turned those two properties into a line of credit. And so they set me up on a $100,000 line of credit. And so... Now I've got those two properties established. I was able to take that hundred thousand and go buy two more, and that's what I did. My next, my number three and four, I bought from a wholesaler. Mm. So now I'm understanding how wholesalers work, and so I bought those number three and four at the same time. So now I've got four, you know, within I think the first couple of months or something, and it's just like going fast, rapid fire, just trying to figure everything out with rehabbing and all the numbers that you have to crunch and all that. But I, I did that. And so that's when I started to understand the Burr method, which is real big on bigger pockets, Brandon Turner and a David Green, I believe. That's right. David Green? Yeah. Uh, sorry, David. But that's one of their big methods that, did, that they push. So it's, it's Burr. It's uh, buy and then you uh, rehab it, you rent it out, then you refinance, then you repeat. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was that. I took those first two houses that I had, I started rehabbing them. It took me about two to three months on my first couple ones. And I did as much work as I could. And then rent, you know, I, I contracted out the rest of it, but rehabbed them, 
And then I got them rented fairly quick, went to the bank and said, look, I've got these rented out. Now here's my rent roll. This is what people are paying. And then the bank refinances it. So now I've got a mortgage set up on both those properties. I've got renters in them. The, the, the tenants are paying the mortgage basically. And I'm cash flowing about $200, $250 per house after expenses, after insurance, after property taxes, uh, set aside certain percentage for maintenance and capital expenses, that kind of thing. So then they refinance it. Then the bank gives me 80% uh, loan to value back on the appraised value of the house. So after I get it rehabbed and rented out, an appraiser comes over and says it's worth this much. Well, my first one, I think I bought for 43. And after I got it rehabbed, it, I think it appraised for 65, if I'm right. So I get 80% of that back and I dump it back into my line of credit. So you're just kind of like recycling the money, but now you've been able to purchase them. You've got renters in them. They're paying for all the stuff, basically all the mortgage and everything. And you go do it again. You just repeat the process. So then I've bought a few from... Uh, as I tried to keep my line of credit going, I bought a few from some other investors that were just tired of that area that they were in or whatever the reason was. It was just good for me as a new investor to go ahead and purchase those properties. And I just quickly, that first year, I bought eight in my first year and got going pretty fast. I had to put the brakes on year two. Just I, this past year, I actually did one. I did one all of last year, but it was a great one. I bought it for 59. It was, it was my first experience with a for sale by owner. And I had just finished reading a book and now I'm, now I'm forgetting the book, but just about um, just stepping out there and having a conversation with people and, and so I did. I parked the car. I got out. I went up to the door and I talked to the guy and just got to know him for about 45 minutes, connected on a couple different levels about our parents and, and all that. And then we agreed on a price after about an hour. And I did a sales agreement with him. And we put some earnest money down at the bank and I closed with him in two weeks wow. uh, at title. And so for the... For the and I'm kind of skipping around here, but the great thing about cash buys is you have, you know, I have cash, I have access to cash, whether it's a line of credit or I've got private lenders that want to, you know, do a deal with me. And then there's some other methods. But so I, I talked to this for sale by owner. He wanted out of the house because it was his dad's house who had passed away. He just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I told him, hey, stop the process that you're in of rehabbing. You don't need to do anymore. You don't, we don't need to do inspections. I'll buy it as is. And I bought that one for 59. And then I fixed it up. I, we did a lot of rehab work on it and it appraised for 80. Wow. And then I was able to, again, get that cash back in a refinance and put it back into the account, got renters in and they're paying 900 a month. And it just kind of revolves like that. Like it's just a, a cycle. So anyway, yeah. With 12 properties now and the scaling up, how did you go about like finding the partners? Because I can't imagine you're doing everything on your own. You've got to have some extra hands in the, in the pot, so to speak. So how, how do you manage the, the different hands? Yeah. So the, the first 10 properties, I really did on my own. I mean, I've, I've established... Over time, I've established some great contract workers. I have a handyman that I love. I mean, we, you know, I was over there with him the last four days and we just got to know each other and I try to take care of them. I've tried to build a really good relationship and invest in relationship with those guys and take care of them you know, financially and other ways and really make it a relationship, not just, hey, you're a worker and you got to do this for me kind of thing. I think that's really important. But the first 10, I, I really did on my own. Now, as far as financials, the last two projects that I did under my company, Long Home Buyers, was private money. And I can talk about that for a second. But basically, I sent out a, a letter 
that I put together as a one-page letter of terms. And I kind of explain, hey, I found this incredible deal. This is what I'm looking for. I think one, one of the ones was uh, my first private money deal was I needed $46,000. And so I set terms up and I said, I'll pay you back over 12 months or I need at least 12 months, but I plan to pay you back within three. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pay you 10% on your money. Well, any, anybody that's going to make 10% back on their money in three months is like, okay, I've just yeah. got it sitting in the bank here. So as far as partnering, Lee, I, I definitely have partnered with some guys on some deals where they, they don't have ownership of the property, but they were able to provide the money and they made 10% back on their money. And a lot of guys are doing anywhere from 8 to 12%. That was just a number that made sense on this you know, house, this, these particular houses. But anyway, I, I give them a phone call a month before and say, hey, this is an idea that I have. Let me know if you're interested. And then a month later, I bring in this house and I put together like a nice spreadsheet. I run all the numbers with a, with a real estate calculator and say, this is the you know, projections of, of everything. You know, basically what I'm planning to do, how much rehab costs are, uh, what I think it's going to appraise for, the ARV. And then I give it to them. And my first one, I had three guys right back and say, I want to do it. Let's do the deal. They, and they, you know, these are, these are buddies of mine that I know had some money and wanted to do something with it, but it was just sitting in the bank. Mm-hmm. And so it worked out that way. Sure enough, I was able to rehab it in three months. I got them all their money back plus 10%. And they were like, hey, let's do this again. Well, then the last house I did, it's kind of the same situation with a different guy. And uh, it's just cool, those relationships that you build. I was able to pay him back in two and a half months, uh, this, this last house I did. And he called me, I think it was Monday, just had a conversation. said, man, I know things are crazy right now with this coronavirus and all that. I don't know what's going to happen to you and your, your real estate situation or if tenants are going to pay or like, but if you need any help, just let me know if you need to you know, survive through this time. Or anyway, it's just that kind of stuff. I think when you follow through with what you said you were going to do and you, you communicate through the whole process, I think that's key and you will build some serious you know, good relationships over that. So yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit later. I just want to point out a couple of things. One, you read a book about, you know, just basically owner finance deals, right? Yep. Put it into practice. I don't know how you found this guy that just owned this home that is about to sell like for sale by owner. But I just want to point out to our listeners that it's really all about applying what you learn. You know, you learn something, but until you apply it, it's not going to work. So I love that you read a book and then you put it to the test. You had an hour conversation with a guy, just really connected with him heart to heart. And then you became a problem solver. Like you literally solved this problem. He didn't want to be in that house anymore. He didn't want to do any work. And so what you did was you came in and you solved this problem. And so it's amazing to see how this whole real estate thing, it's not just about making money. It really is about trying to figure out whose problems can I solve. And in, in return, I also make a little bit of money out of it, sometimes even more. You know, so It's just so amazing to see that. And that's one point I wanted to point out. The other one is when you started, I just wanted to clarify, the very, very first deal, you also had uh, funding for that, right? Was it your money you put in? No, it was, yeah. it was more private money yeah, yeah. from a family member, which so was an incredible situation. So... Yeah, Yeah. I definitely remember that story too. So another point that I wanted to kind of like, you know, show our listeners is that you literally had no experience and no money. And then here you are 12 properties later, you started with two properties, you know, with no experience and no money. So I'm just saying, 
everything is possible. It really is possible to do this thing. I mean, granted, you know, you live in Oklahoma. We live in California. We have some friends who want to do this. And they're all like, how do we do this in California? And, and I have a friend who always says, you know, live where you want to live and invest where the numbers make sense. And that is true. And though it may be a little harder for us Californians who are here who want to start because we may need to start at a, another state and now there's this whole distance thing. The point is, it is still possible to do this even without experience and with no money. So let's go now into your private funding and partnership and all that. Yeah, just in a quick response to that is, I'm, I'm as blown away as anybody. You know, my friends, my, my family, they're saying, you're using language that I don't even know and that I've never heard you talk about. I mean, I'm talking about ARVs and CapEx and ROIs and NOIs and all these, all these other terms and words. I, I can't believe it either. I mean, when I look back two years ago, it's like, you know what? We are capable of a lot. So we have to find what it is and go after it. Stay motivated. What is it that keeps you motivated? Know your end game. Know why you're doing it and pursue it. Don't let anything stop you. So I think, I think what's been fun for me is every deal is different. Not everything is the same. And it's not maybe exactly like the book says or exactly like the podcast says that you listen to. But there's so much truth and so many different things to draw from. Every deal is different. And so there was a period where I started getting low on funds. And I, I felt trapped that last year that I told you about where I only bought one house. I was like, I don't really know how to move forward. You know? But instead of sitting around sulking about it, I got on the phone. I went running with some buddies that are in real estate. We had great conversations. He's like, you need to call this bank and this bank. And you need to call this guy. And you need to go to this meeting because there's a bunch of private money lenders there that are dying to loan you money. I mean, so there's, you just got to ask the right questions. You can't sit around. You got to get after it and, and go for it. And so that's what I did. I started meeting with a couple different banks. And now I've got two banks that I've done deals with, but I've got three or four that I can go talk to right now that are ready to do something with me. I also, just through conversation, I mean, the last two deals I've done are true partnerships. We set up another LLC. I have another company now called Riverdale Properties. It's a combination of where I live and where they live in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the TV show Riverdale, which my daughters think is hilarious. Uh, but anyway, so this is a true partnership. This guy is a lawyer that I, that I am partnering with and he's just the money guy. And so I thought, well, this is another way for me to scale and to grow. Um, I've still got my thing going and I've got my private money situation going, but now I've got, I've opened up more doors because this guy really wants to get into real estate. And so he has the capital. So he provides all the money, the finances. I am like no money down, but I, I manage everything. So I find the deal. I acquire the deal. We walk through it together. We decide that it's a good, you know, acquisition for us. It's going to be a long-term asset that we really want to hang on to. And then we make it happen. We run all the numbers and then he puts the money up. We close. He pays for the rehab. But the whole time, I'm managing it. I'm working with all the contractors. I'm going over to the house all the time. And then eventually, I'll take care of all the property management. And so we have a 50-50 split. So even though he provides the money... And I know everyone does everything different. And this situation may sound crazy or dumb or whatever. But for us, it makes sense. And so he provides all that. It's a 50-50 split. And then I also collect 10% for property management. And so we're just going to try to grow and scale that also because he's interested in having assets. Anyway, that, that's been the last two properties that I've done and we're 
constantly looking for more. Some make more sense for me to take on myself Mm -hmm. and some make more sense for me to partner with. Um, It just kind of depends on, on the situation and where it is. So, yeah, it looks like you have a little bit more flexibility just because of how you've set up your relationships and your network in such a way where people trust you. And because of that, there's a little bit more flexibility. As you said, you know, sometimes some deals I take on my own and then sometimes this makes sense to partner with someone else. And, and regardless, you have kind of like a funnel of, or a pool of friends or network to kind of uh, pull from to, to partner with, like easily if you need to, which is right. really, really awesome. Right. Yeah. How do, you, um, how do you develop those just naturally? Well, I think, I think a lot of it is, and I've been encouraged to do this, is let everybody that you know, know what you're doing. So I talk about real estate with so many of my friends. You know, on one hand, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a little bit of a struggle for me to let myself out there as Brian Long on all social media saying I do real estate. So I've created Long Home Buyers. I've got this account over here that's, you know, that thing. But I don't know what my holdup is on that. I don't know what it is. So I'm, I'm still struggling with that too. I've got to let myself out as far as, hey, I do real estate. But I think it's like working out. I mean, you have to keep it going. You know, you have to stay consistent with your relationships and you have to call them. You have to initiate conversations. You have to ask this guy to go to lunch or, or whatever. Let's meet up. Let's, we got to keep going. We got to stay engaged with each other. So I don't know. I think part of it has been when I'm at a football game watching my boys play and I'm standing up with a couple of guys in my neighborhood, it just, we get into conversations about it. You know, hey, what have you been up to? Well, I've been rehabbing this house a week. Oh, really? What, is, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, then it just kind of opens a door. So it's something that I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed, you know, through that, really over the last year, I've had four or five people approach me about getting involved with it, whether it's from a money standpoint or they want to partner or they just want to know more about it. I sold a uh, spin bike on Facebook Marketplace two weeks ago, right before all this chaos happened in the world. (laughs) And I end up talking to the guy that bought the bike for me in my driveway for an hour. I mean, I just... He said I blew his mind with real estate. I don't remember how we got into it, but we just started talking about it. And then we set up a coffee meeting because he's like, I can't stop thinking about this. You got to tell me more about it. Well, we couldn't meet because everything shut down. It's things like that. It's just talking about it and cultivating those relationships and, and investing in them, really. So, yeah. I think the exciting part, too, for a lot of people is when they hear people doing it, it becomes more tangible, more real. And a lot of people always, you know, the quote unquote American dream, you know, buy a home with a pick, white picket fence and all that. And mm-hmm. a lot of America, you know, is, is running paycheck to paycheck at times and having trouble, you know, getting those funds together. They think it's kind of this impossible. You know, step. But then hearing stories like yours, Brian, can be very, very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Now, beyond the the private money, though, there's got to be some money tips. Or <laughs> you, I, I assume you and your wife sit down and look at the budget every now and again. What is that relationship like in terms of the money in your marriage, and how do you help foster that and make it grow? Yeah, that's a great question. So that is not an area that I feel like I'm strong in. Um, I never have been. My wife was the one that said, I won't marry you until you get out of debt. So I had like three or four credit cards when, I, when we first got married. I, I would go to Best Buy and get a credit card and buy a washer dryer, a stereo or what. I, that was me. 
And so we got all that cleared up before we got married. And we, we really try to pay cash for everything even today. But my wife actually in the last six months has we set up QuickBooks online and we currently have every single thing up to date, every expense. We, you know, she's taking care of our taxes, um, all that. She's just much better at that and organization and admin type stuff than I am. I, however, I've gotten a lot better at it. Now I understand it. I can get on there. I've gotten really good at like if I go to Lowe's or Home Depot, I'll scan my receipt, upload it to QuickBooks, keep all that really organized. But we have a lot of conversations about where we are financially. I, I think that's so important. I mean, you have to be intentional about that as well because that can get you in a big mess if you're not staying on top of, of all that. But it's doable. If there's anyone that would struggle with that, it was me. But it's, it's very doable. So. Yeah. So in all of this that you're doing, I mean, you know, you're not just amassing all these properties for nothing. There's definitely a deeper why as to, you know, why you're doing this. Uh, for a lot of us who are, you know, pursuing real estate investments, all sorts of these things, it always has to, t- it t- usually ties in into wanting to have financial freedom and to right. be able to build wealth that can sustain us, you know, for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. What does that look like to you? Like what does wealth mean to you personally? Uh, and how has it evolved, you know, from before and then to now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, there's a there's a lot of facets to it. We all, yes, want to be financially free and have a lot of money and all that. There, there's a lot there for me. I think I love my job. I feel super blessed to be doing what I'm doing with the church and being a creative director and getting to use different gifts and talents there. But I want to put myself in a position where I am financially free, that I can do what I want and give money how I want to give it. I'm not there yet, but I, I love giving gifts. I don't get to do that a whole lot, but I can't wait for the day where I can just go bless somebody just big time and maybe change their life. I don't know. I think you know, true wealth to me is the fact that my family, my kids, my wife want me at home. They love me being home. They love me being around and us being together. So true wealth is like my kids, my, my wife, everyone being healthy, especially right now. But just being healthy and being together, I value that so much. Having a close relationship with Jesus Christ is number one to me, that my heart and my head is good in a good place. And so that I think that's true wealth to me, just having a clear mind, clear heart, even amidst failures in life and bad decisions and you know the roller coaster that life can bring. I think that's, that's a big part of it. I feel very wealthy and healthy with the relationships that God's blessed me with and the family. So is that, I don't, does that answer maybe? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. amazing. Totally. No, that's really, really... Okay. I love that you said you feel wealthy now. I think mm-hmm. that is really impactful to me personally, like just to mm-hmm. know that it's not about the number that you're about to reach at some point that makes you feel wealthy. It's about actually knowing and feeling that you're wealthy right now, you know, where you're mm-hmm. at, whether, whether you've reached your goals or not, it's, it's the fact that you actually feel like wealthy today. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. In terms of finding that wealth or pursuing that wealth, what are a few tips that you could share with the, the audience that you do on a daily basis to kind of get your head ready and get yourself oh. ramped up and ready to go? Are we talking about three actionable tips yet or just... We can, t- we can go into three actionable tips. Yes. 
give us three actionable tips for our listeners so that uh, they can t- take that into their own lives and uh, start developing this this path towards wealth. Yep. Okay. I actually have 85, so um, let's just... <laughs> we'll be here all so day. It's okay. At, you want to start at 85 and work down to number one? Or <laughs> we'll start at number one and go up to 85. Yeah, we'll go reverse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, just in the middle. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, there, that, I mean, I love this question. I think... I try to write write this out. Like, what what are tips that I would give? And I think there's a couple things that I came up with is... I think it's super important to know your end game, which we've talked a little bit about, you know, what motivates you? Why are you doing this? And I, it, something, a light bulb went off a few years ago where I just, you know, I was like, I don't have a huge retirement plan or I don't, I don't know what I'm leaving my family, all that, especially when you're in ministry for as long as I've been. But that was one thing that kind of clicked is like, I want to leave some assets. I want to leave some things to my kids. And so this is not answering your question at all, but it's part of it. It's, it's part of my end game is leaving, you know, growing some assets, leaving that with my kids and family. But I think some tips are you have to know what you're going for. It's very important. If we're just kind of walking through life, not really knowing what we're doing or why, you can get a few years down the road and feel like maybe you wasted the, that time. But you know, set some goals for yourself. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in three years? What, what does the next year look like? I think that's really important. Another thing is just rhythm living. I love that phrase, rhythm living. You have to find a rhythm. And like in music, there's a time signature and a beat with every song. And that band has to stay on that time signature. And if you get off the beat or whatever, it can just train wreck the band. And I think life is like that. I think we have to find a rhythm living, like some kind of rhythm in our life. And so for me, I've gotten better at it. I used to not. I used to stay up till two in the morning editing videos and I'd get up late and all that. Things have changed over the last few years where I try to have more of a routine where, I mean, the first thing I do when I get up is splash cold, freezing cold water on my face. I take my vitamins. I try to knock my workout out before my kids get up because once they're up, it's crazy and I got to help them get ready for school or whatever. So I think there's things that you can put in your life that create that rhythm, whether it's you know a mantra that you say every morning or having a devotion where you have that silence, that quiet time along with God or whatever that is for, for you. But I think that's a big part of it. The other thing is be intentional, which is what I've said. What are your goals? Like know where you're going. You have to be intentional. You know, are you journaling? Are you writing it on a whiteboard? What is it that you're doing to be intentional? Are you making that phone call that has been you've been dying to make or that you know you need to make that's set it's holding you back? Like make the phone call, send the email, make the phone call, whatever it is. So that be intentional, I think, is a is a big thing. And then the last, I would say another tip is just invest in relationships, which is what we talked about. I think it's super important, whether it's your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, the friends, like be intentional and invest in those relationships. Take that guy out to, to lunch, take that girl out to lunch, whatever, and ask them questions. You know, learn your craft, whatever it is, learn it. Get to know that. Just totally immerse yourself in that world as much as you can. So for me, it's been real estate, but... Wow. I love that. Mm. These are awesome tips. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing like lately, what you should do is you should, ha- you should give that person like a, a Grubhub order that they prefer. And you can set up a Zoom meeting <laughs> and do that talk online for safety. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's really awesome though. But yeah, kn- knowing where you're at, looking at where you want to be. Mm-hmm. 
splashing water on your face, getting, <laughs> getting yourself like right mind, body and soul. Yeah. I yeah, love that, I love that, that rhythm. rhythm living. Mm-hmm. I love, yeah. I've heard that before, but it is so true. Like if you, you know, I love that you put the analogy of like music terms and yeah, it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. With your, I know that you uh, work in ministry at church and that mm-hmm. is a whole lot, you know, like you work there, but it really is like you're serving, like it's such a heart position. Mm-hmm. What is it that you love about serving through your church or even not through your church, but just in your daily living? Like, what is it that you love about serving and helping out? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, especially in ministry, we know that there's like a deeper, there's kind of a deeper meaning, a deeper goal with the relationships there. and. I love seeing life transformation, whatever that looks like for people, just people finding their purpose. And so for me, what I've been able to do is tell story really through video um, with what I do, where we're, we're able to just find people, find stories and share that with the community, share that with the church about how their life can change and, for the better. And so for me, giving right now is that happens a lot through serving at the church and whether it's through music still or uh, just getting to have a one-on-one conversation over coffee, telling a, a video um, and sharing that with, you know, on the web, the church, whatever. I think there's a lot of ways that I've been able to give back in that way. So, Yeah, that's aw- so awesome. I love how um, when we sent you a, uh, this, the questionnaire for the podcast and you mentioned how like you're part of your serving, it's just your family. Mm. You know, and I love, I love that because I think that sometimes when we think in terms of serving, we think about other people first and there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to serve, you know, the community and other people. But I love that you really put it into perspective that, Hey, it's really like being the best father that you can be and being the best husband that you can be and being there for your kids. And that is a part of, you know, your serving. Yeah. This, this has hit me a lot recently because I think, uh, we can feel guilty like I'm not giving to this charity or my thing is, you know, a lot of people give by staying away from the house all the time and they're just getting worn out, whether it's ministry or another charity cause or whatever it is. But I think I want to say to everybody, it's okay if this phase of your life or this stage of life is you taking care of your own right now. That doesn't mean I'm not doing other things outside, but I've got two little boys, nine and 11. I've got daughters that are 14 and 16. And part of my whole purpose right now is to teach them, teach them right and wrong, teach them skills, teach them different talents or what is important in life and where their identity is and all that. So I think it's okay that that's where I feel drawn to right now and making sure that they're all healthy and good. And you just have to be intentional again, find the time, like make sure you've got a majority of that time for your family. But yes, you can do other things outside of that. And, and all the while your kids are watching. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids see me serve. They see me do things at the church. They see videos I make. They've learned a ton about real estate. I mean, my nine-year-old is, he mows lawns with me. <laughs> my, my 11-year-old does. They're learning. They know the lingo now about yeah, real estate. they're talking lingo. They're like, that's oh, NOI, ROI. <laughs> I do. We'll be driving in the truck and I'll be like, boys, what's ARV mean? Appraised retail about, you know. So it's been pretty fun, but... I love that. You guys talk in code. <laughs> yep. I love that. Those awesome acronym conversations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are down to our quick 10 rapid fire questions. This has been such an awesome, just inspiration filled conversation we've had with you this morning. So thank you, Brian. We would love to know a little bit more about you. 
Our okay. quick and rapid fire questions are questions we ask our guests. We want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't censor yourself. Some of these things relate to our podcast theme, and some of them are just random fun things we want to know about our guests. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, sure. <laughs> scared out of my mind right now, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. I'll take it away with the first question. If you could choose one book to live by, what would it be? Is it a cop-out to say the Bible? No. No, not at all. I mean, a, I a book to it. live by? I would say yeah. that. I've got other books, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, your personal hero, living, deceased, someone you know or don't know? Wow. I would have to say, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is my mom. She went through some craziness mm. when I was little, and I saw her fight through a lot and uh, survive and stay strong. And so, yeah, my mom. That's awesome. awesome. All right. Number three, the one thing you intentionally have to do every single day. Man, I can go funny on this or I'll, I'll be serious. I need, I have to, I have to pause and just. <laughs> just be funny. I love that. I don't even know. Eat. I have to eat. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, one hobby that brings you the most joy. Ooh, easy mountain biking. Cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. The most rewarding thing you've done for someone in need. Mm, wow. You know, I, I'll try to say this real briefly. Um, my wife and I give to Compassion International and we started giving to a child named Eric from El Salvador when he was four years old. And just this past year, we were able to see him graduate at 18. And so we were able to support him and his family for however long that is. You do the math. But so that was, man, that felt good. And we've got another child that we're taking care of right now. So that was pretty awesome. Awesome. That's really awesome. This is going to be a hard left turn, but first movie quote that comes to your mind. Fletch. It's all ball bearings these days. I, I can give you a lot of Fletch quotes. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> all right. Last big purchase you made for yourself. Treadmill. Okay. Acceptable. <laughs> what, uh, a food you cannot live without. Who? Man, like a style. How about Mexican? Sure. Mexican food. There you Acceptable. go. That's least favorite. All right. What's your spirit animal? <laughs> a spirit animal. Golly. That's a great question. It's got to be something big and strong. I'll say a bear. Okay. I like it. <laughs> and then number 10, the last one, finish a sentence. If I'm stuck on an island by myself, I hope I have my cell phone. <laughs> Perfect. So you awesome. can call for help. <laughs> yep. nice, awesome. Nice. Well, Brian, this has been so awesome. We have loved just chatting with you. It's just been so yeah. great. If uh, Where can our uh, listeners find out more about you? And if you were to encourage our listeners to serve into or give into something, what would that be? The first part, I would say I'm on Facebook and, and Instagram, social media, um, long home buyers, or you can find me at B-L-O-N-G. 73, I believe, belong 73 on all the social media sites. And then the second part, as far as, I mean, I just think find the people. I don't have a specific organization. There's so many, but I would say find the thing that is dear to your heart, whether that's something that's happened in a family member's life or a friend, and maybe invest in that. But invest in the people around you that are within arm's reach or social distancing arm's reach. Invest in those relationships. Like, what is the thing that you know you should be doing that you're not doing? And yeah. go do it. Make it happen. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have loved yeah. having you. Thank you all. Y'all are awesome. I'm, I'm so excited that you're doing this. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of it.
Wow. Brian Long from Long Home Buyers. That was phenomenal. I was so inspired by how he literally started with no background on real estate. Yes, he did some studying and reading up himself for six months straight, really getting into real estate, deep into real estate education on his own. But really, at some point, he had to jump in and just go and pull the trigger. And he did. I love that he didn't have any experience before that. And on his first deal, he bought two properties. And also funding-wise, he didn't have his own money going to these first two deals. He actually had a private funding for the first two deals. So talk about fearlessness. I mean, Mm -hmm. seriously. Not only fearless, but also just his uh, integrity, I think, really stuck out to me and how his letters yes be yes and his nose be nose and building up relationships and friendships over the years that have really allowed him to like have zero money down on different investments but mm-hmm. still be able to partner with people where he does maybe the the lion's share of the the work but then he's got these other people that are able to pour in and you and use their money and their investments to help there but at the same time being able to be a father being able to be a husband being able to serve as a creative director for his church to make sure everything runs smooth on that end. like It's just really awesome seeing that blend of integrity and and hard work really paying off for him. Yeah, definitely. So we hope that you guys got inspired by that episode today. Our next episode will be with Hari Mix. Hari is an earth scientist, an avid climber. He is an expert yo-yoer. Just so many awesome things. Competitive distance running for nine years and how he's got a really awesome perspective on finances. And he's actually completely financially independent at this time. He's 34 years old. He's a professor at Santa Clara University in the Bay Area. And just amazing story on how he was able to get to financial independence and his journey with money. So make sure you tune in with Hari Mix next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wildly Wealthy Life. We hope that this episode has helped you take another step towards living fully, giving freely, and building a legacy that deeply impacts your community. We'd love to hear what you think about today's show. Please leave us a review or like us on iTunes and YouTube, and click the subscribe button so you won't miss a show. You can also visit us at wildlywealthylife.com for today's show notes. See you on our next episode. Thank you, and may you live a wildly wealthy life.